alarmed or afraid when we are confronted by sickness, financial problems, because we believe that the Lord put people together to manifest his glory in our weaknesses. So if you know how to pray together, you say, well, I just want you to tell me to have a good marriage. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I can say to you that you can do all of the right things in your marriage and still be as sensitive as a sock. It is the power of the Holy Ghost that teaches us. You say, well, why do I need to pray? Because prayer is a wonderful way to develop a vocabulary of thanksgiving. We are commanded to give thanks. When you practice that alone in your prayer life, because God has never done wrong to any of us, then we can take those principles of being thankful and giving thanks to our homes with our kids, and we can teach it. When it's not part of our worship, then we can't expect it to be part of our practice. I think I'd like to repeat that, and you say it with me. If Thanksgiving is not part of my worship, it won't be part of my relationship. Where are you going to practice the art of being thankful? And prayer and praise is private. So all by yourself, you get to say words until you get so accustomed to them that you learn an attitude of gratitude. So that instead of being a rider on the four horses, critical, defensive, contemptuous, and silent, you become tender-hearted, forgiving, understanding, and part of that is part two, learning to listen. And Sister Sheen is going to come up and introduce that right now. I think that's you, and then I'm right after you. Is that correct? Okay. Learning to listen. Everybody say the healing art of hearing. Praise the Lord. That's right. Okay, so how to be a great listener. So I remember, and probably many of you do as well, one of the things that I heard when I was in school was, I was in the South, so people talked about God all the time. Not, not like up in here in Ohio where you can't, you know, you can't always say God because it's somehow not correct to say it. But I remember teachers at school would say, God gave you two ears. You know why he gave you two ears? So that you could double hear because he gave you only one mouth. So you only need to say just half of what you're hearing. <laughs> was always some version of that. Has anybody ever heard that about having two ears and one mouth? Am I the only one? Is that just a Southern thing? It's a Southern thing. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I was always told if you've got two ears, you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak. Well, I can tell you one of the things about making sure that you have a really great relationship is you have to be a great listener because building love and trust involves really listening to our partners. So when we call it the healing art of hearing, what we're really trying to say is it is exactly what Sister Showstrand was saying of not just being in the room and having somebody just da 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 and it's almost like I, I'm sure many of you know the peanuts, you know, Snoopy and the teacher. No one ever knows what the teacher says. It always sounds like this wah 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 and then the, you know, Charlie Brown, yes, teacher, da, 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 no teacher, I don't have my homework today. 
teacher, you know, so you, the only way you know what the teacher was saying was from the response of the kids, you know, and that's not, though, what it's supposed to be in our relationships. It's not supposed to be just you in the room and what you hear is wah, 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 wah. Yes, honey. I heard every word you said. Wah, 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 wah. That's not hearing. That is listening to sounds but not taking it in. And I can tell you there have been times in my own life where I've had to say to many family members, can you please repeat that one more time? <laughs> because I don't know that I've heard you. I heard, I heard words, but it didn't resonate with me. And I want to make sure that I've not missed something. And so listening is so important. So one of the things that we have to remember about listening is to prepare yourself to listen. That's the first thing, preparing yourself. And you can say, what is it to prepare myself? Well, you know, I'll tell you, one thing for me is you got to get in the zone to listen, okay? If it's something important, I have to turn off the distractions, okay? So it's not showing your partner the person that you love and that you said, I've picked you, you've picked me, we're going to do this together. It's not showing them love and respect if they're trying to tell you something and you've got all this background stuff going on. You know, you're watching TV or you've got the radio on or you've got, you know, a game that you're playing on your phone or you're looking at your phone and, you're, you know, your spouse is trying to tell you something and uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But the reality is you have not really prepared yourself to hear what your spouse is saying and what you are, the message that you are sending is you don't matter enough for me to turn off all the other stuff so I can hear you. And I'll tell you, for me, if I'm really trying to be attentive one of the things that I actually do is I may not look you at the, in the face because I, I have to, I'm a, I'm a word processor. So if you're really trying to get, you know, a message across to me, I sometimes may look down. Now, I'm not looking at anything else. If I'm looking down, it's not looking at my phone or looking, you know, at the TV that's going on in the background or looking at something else. I may look down because I am a word processor, so I'm trying to hear every word that you're saying and not be distracted by your face, actually. I'm trying to hear your words. I don't want to be distracted by your expressions or anything else. So sometimes I'm, I, I used to do that even in college. If I was trying to really process what was being told to me by, by my instructor, I might look down because I would take notes on what they were saying, but it helped me focus. But that was part of my preparation. So I am sensitive if people say to me when they are listening to me, when they are really listening, if they're looking down, I try to say, I understand if you're, if you're really paying attention to me, but you're not doing something else. You see what I mean? Because that's not showing the adequate respect. So you want to prepare yourself. So you postpone your own agenda for a while. If your spouse needs something, you're saying, I'm going to postpone what I want to do for right now to be attentive to you. And then the other thing is, when you are really listening, and this can be hard for some people, you don't want to try to be interesting. 
You need to be interested in your partner. I'm going to say that again. When you are really listening, you do not need to try to be interesting. You need to be interested in what your partner is saying. Some people don't like, it's uncomfortable when you're having a serious conversation. And so their go-to is comedy or it is some form of levity and it's bringing it back into me. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm hearing what you're saying, so what you mean is, I can tell you there is nothing that makes me angrier when I'm trying to say something that is serious, when someone brings in a little bit of comedy, when I am for real. Because I feel like it's tremendously disrespectful and that you are not hearing what I am serious about. Because it feels like you're turning it around to be interesting instead of being interested in what I'm saying. And then I question whether or not you heard me because it was serious for me. And so that's why you wanna make sure that you are prepared to hear what your partner is saying because you wanna show them that respect. You wanna give them that opportunity, especially when it's serious. You know, even, it doesn't have to even be about them. You know, there are some times when you're trying to have a serious conversation just about your day and you go, I want you to know my day was really bad or my day was really stressful or something happened. And, and it doesn't even have to do with anything where you go like, and I'm mad at you. It can just be serious because of what it is and you need your partner to take that seriously. And so you wanna make sure that you are not, as the listener, that you are not taking away from the moment that your spouse is having to share with you because that's showing respect. The second thing is you are supposed to tune into your partner's world. So, I mean, and that goes, that kind of goes hand in hand with being interested in what they're saying is, you know, that you have to get on that wavelength. There are times where, you know, even I will tell you, my spouse talks about things on his job that I don't understand. I don't understand what he's talking about. It will be things that, that are technical things about his job, but I will tell you, I try to understand. And there are times where I will say to him, okay, I'm not sure that I fully get what you're talking about. Can you explain it to me? And if it's relevant to the conversation, he will. And if it's not to the point that he's trying to make, he'll, he'll give me a little brief summary so I can catch up and we'll get to the heart of the matter. But it's not bad to admit if you don't understand, it's better than trying to act like you understand when you don't. But that's part of being engaged in the conversation. The other thing is you need to hear your partner's pain even if you don't agree with the details. There is also nothing worse than when you are in pain to try to communicate that with someone and for them to go, why were you hurt by that? That shouldn't have hurt you. Or that seems silly. Or you're upset over that. Pain is pain. Whether it would have pained you is not relevant to the conversation. When you are in pain, part of your job as the listener is to at least hear your partner's pain, even if you cannot yourself say, if I were in that same situation, I may not be hurt by this. I mean, your personality type, maybe if a coworker said something to you that was offensive, it may not have given you pain, you may have been like, 
you're stupid too, you know, and walked away from it. But your spouse, on the other hand, if they say something, it may have caused them a great deal of pain. And if they want to come home and share it with you, it's not helpful for you to go, why didn't you just say they were stupid too? Don't do that anyway. That's not, not a good way for interpersonal relationships. Don't ever do that. That will not make things better. But the other thing is, so you want to try to, as much as possible, see your partner's world from their perspective. You're just trying to give yourself a different viewpoint, a different vantage. The next thing that you want to do is you want to attune yourself to your partner's conversation. So that is another part of a listening skill. Now on your handout, I also gave a little do's and don'ts list. So to attune, your goal in attuning yourself is simply to understand, okay? So you're supposed to be present in that conversation. We've already talked about how you need to be present. You also need to make sure that you don't minimize your partner's feelings, but you do not want to take responsibility for their feelings. Their feelings are their feelings. So you don't need to go, you know, I've caused you this or I've done this. Now, you may have done it, but what you're trying to do is listen at that point. It's not taking responsibility for how they feel at that juncture or even dealing with that. You just need to listen and be present. You don't need to try to make your partner feel better at that point because you're listening, okay? Part of listening is one of those things where I, I will say men are inherently, and we've talked about this before, they're fixers in a relationship. So when they hear that something's gone wrong, often men will try to say, well, let's do this, this, and this. Let's fix it. And sometimes what a woman wants to do is, I just want you to hear my pain. I want you to hear what I'm upset about. I don't actually want it fixed at all. Not right now, at least. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And so part of really good listening skills is actually being present to say, I'm not going to try to fix this. I'm not going to try to make you feel better right now. I want to fully hear and grasp what it is that you're, you're saying. I'm not going to try to cheer you up. I'm not going to try to do anything that is outside of listening at that moment. So the do's and don'ts are there for you to look at at a later time. And then finally, you need to reflect back what you hear. So a big part of listening is witnessing. And so that is done by being there and being able to repeat back what you've heard, not offering suggestions at that time or problem solving or advice, but being able to, to basically express in your own words, so what I heard you say was this. And that is really reaffirming. When you have shared you know, something about what's going on in your life and your partner is able to respond and say, because they were genuinely attentive to say, you know, so I know you've had a rough day and I'm so sorry that this and this, and you don't, you don't even have to say, and you went through X, you know, these five points, but to have someone dialogue with you, to know that you've been heard is, is really, it's cathartic and it's healing for the relationship because you know that what I have said matters enough that you were present with me and that you took it in and that you heard, you really did hear what it was that I had to say. And now Sister Shoshan is going to go into the advanced listening skills from there. So listening is not just hearing. There are levels of listening. And I think it's my personal opinion from experience that having the Holy Ghost and letting the Lord talk to you and sensitize you 
I mean, if you can be led to repent without anybody jumping on you, and you can feel conviction, then you can learn to listen to your spouse and your children. Conviction is a very good barometer of how sensitive you are. If you never feel like you've ever done anything wrong in the presence of God, then you're not likely to have much sensitivity to your family. But if you are tender, then you can do the first thing, which is considered advanced listening, and we'll advance that slide. It says, read between the lines. Sometimes it's as important to listen to how your spouse is speaking as much as it is to listen to what your spouse is speaking. For example, I feel like this house has become a prison. And I am sure that so many people have felt that way in lockdown. So when someone is saying that, instead of saying, well, I don't know why you feel that way, what you're trying to do is, especially if you are sensitive enough to perceive that your spouse is low or discouraged or having a moment, one of you has got to be the adult. One of you's got to be the listener. Now, this is a problem when both of you are down and this is where you want the Holy Ghost to kick in because God so loved the world that he, when you love somebody, you give. You're trying to, so can both of you be down at the same time? Yes, and that might be a moment when you have to slip away and pull out the book of Psalms and you let the Lord talk to you about why everything's going to be all right in spite of your current circumstance. This is why... In this hour of pandemic and trouble, we really have to stay connected to the Word of God, to the church, and His presence. Because if you are both down, it's like two ticks and no dog. Did you get that? You're both needy, and there's no place to go. So you can just latch onto each other and drain one another dry. On the other hand, if you are in a position of strength, you can restate what you've heard, which would be this, when you've read between them. I understand you feel trapped. Is that what you're saying? I understand that you feel. I understand that you think. Now, there are people who think and people that feel, and you learn to discern what kind of spouse you're married to, the one who feels a lot or the one who thinks a lot. Either way, when you are there and you're saying, I get it. I'm with you. You're building a bridge to their pain. Now, the problem with that is if you don't want to hear it, that's a problem. You don't want to bear it and you don't want to share it. That's a problem in a marriage. You have to be able to have moments when you can bear your soul to one another safely without being afraid you're going to be attacked or judged or criticized. You need to be able to be vulnerable. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. We need to be able to tell the truth. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love. So let's go to the next thing. How do we do that? How do we develop this kind of intimate conversation that doesn't always wind up in a physical expression? Have regular de-stress talks. In other words, don't 
live in your little world of work and entertainment until there's a blow up and you're shocked where'd that come from you have to keep your pulse on where each other is find out who or what is stressing your spouse learn the names of people at work find out you can use this with your kids you need to find out who are your teachers who are you going to school with who's the bully and sometimes in my personality type I usually use my emotion to communicate everything so you don't even have to wonder about where I am you can look at my face and figure it out but I have children who aren't like that who can say Johnny punched me in the face in the same voice that they would say and I got an A on my paper you have to learn to listen read between those lines for all kinds of cues that something else is being communicated to you than just the words or just the emotion find out the stressors and the good things in your spouse's life especially since most of us are in working households where mom and dad both work you need to have times where we talk to each other I put a scripture at the bottom of this slide but to do good and to communicate forget night for with such sacrifices God is well pleased turn off the television get off your phone schedule times when you sit down and talk to each other about what's going on at work what's going on in your day take turns to listen to one another be understanding be empathetic do not problem solve what you're doing is you're inviting your spouse and eventually when you get good at this do you know what this is prayer this is what prayer is we go and tell God everything and you know what he does he listens for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but who was tempted in all points like as we are Jesus knows what it is to be human what I love about him is I can tell him things I could never tell you I don't feel judged or criticized by him I feel comforted and that's what we need to do for one another if you know Jesus like that then you know that's what your spouse needs everyone said amen, amen. all right next slide just be there and listen this is hard especially if you want to jump in I have trouble with that myself I want to fix things it's hard for me to hear my children upset or to hear my family members upset it's hard for me to hear members of my congregation upset I'm ready to go fight somebody just tell me who to punch I want to punch somebody right now let me know and I'll cold cock them for you I can get mad pretty fast I just want to fix it you don't take responsibility for what your spouse is feeling because if you do and this is going to set us up for our next discussion about how to listen to someone who's angry if you identify yourself as the source of the problem then you they can never trust you with their emotions so don't take responsibility don't go this is all me just be quiet be still and allow your spouse to vent to fully express their thoughts and feelings do you know how strong you have to be to do this I have told many parents that when their children lose their minds and go and do really stupid stuff I have told them you do not get to be the parent you have to be as clinical as a nurse they've lost their mind stay out of striking distance 
Continue to tell them what they need to do. Do not allow yourself to get emotional. You wouldn't do it with a patient. Don't do it with your child. They need somebody who is absolutely solid, will not respond, will not be baited, will not attack. You be the parent. There are moments when we need to be this way for one another. Say amen. All right. A next slide, just be there and listen, is don't do anything to be helpful. With each negative emotion, and this is very touching to me, there is longing. Whether they are raging or sobbing or stony-faced, there is a feeling underneath it. If you can find the feeling, you can get into the communication. And you say, well, my husband or wife, they have a need that I can't meet. There's a scripture in Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. So this is why we stay connected to church because some of us are needier than what our spouses can provide. But we're not needier than what the Lord can provide. There's no way. He has what we need, and he wants to heal our relationships. He wants to strengthen us, and he wants to abide with us. Now I want to jump to the next part of, and there are going to be several things we're going to talk about here. My next part segues in from advanced listening, and it's what to do when you are listening to anger. So you have a spouse that comes in, and it's hot, and they're flying, and Wow. Have you ever been with an angry person before? Don't all raise your hands at once. Nobody here is going to own up to that. <laughs> That's okay. I have been the angry person. Have you ever been an angry person? Would you like to be understood and forgiven for that? Would you also like to be able to just show your frustration without fear that people are going to take it personally? So we're going to work on that. Don't take your spouse's anger personally. Sometimes when they're just going off, you are not the reason. Now, I'm going to address the moment when you are the reason. So we're going to have to deal with that. Second thing, don't be afraid of your spouse's anger. Now, if you're empathetic and you've got a spouse that's angry, you might start feeling it with them, and that's when you need to go, excuse me for just a second. This is not about I just need to let them be human for a minute. They're under a lot of pressure. I'm going to let them feel their pressure. I'm going to carry it with them. I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to wall up. I'm just going to sit here and be still and let the silence and my interest be like a healing. I'm just going to listen. Hallelujah. Don't rush into an apology before you know the source of the anger, even if it's you. Now, people who are people pleasers do not like these explosive moments in a relationship. They will do anything to avoid confrontation. It's getting so quiet in here, I can hear my own heart beat. That's okay. It's all right. 
the Lord's trying to heal us in a pandemic. So the thing is, even if it's you, the Bible said judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Do you know that Sunday morning sermons are practiced for dealing with your spouse? If I can't stand to hear correction coming from the word of God, then I can't stand to hear what my spouse has to say. And what I'm trying to tell you, for the health of a marriage, we all need to be able to listen to each other fearlessly. And immediately I hear the sound of hooves, defensiveness. But if you just take a breath and relax and say, I've had moments like this, I'm going to give a grace note right here. I'm going to let you blow sky high. I'm going to let you finish. And we're going to find out what's going on. Don't change the subject. Don't get defensive and don't get angry. Try to understand the anger. Oh, isn't this fun? I'm not going to do any of it, but I'm glad to read it to you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Talk to me. I want to hear more about how you feel so I can understand. Explain that to me. How does that make you feel? What, what, why would you do that? Because first of all, it shows that you're listening. It shows that you're interested. It shows that you care and you're willing to get dirty. You're willing, you're willing to share that. You're willing to feel it. You're not going to wall yourself off. You're not going to go play a video game or watch a movie. You're going to sit there and let the reality of where your spouse is hit you because you love them. You want to share not only their resurrection, but the fellowship of their sufferings. Who does that sound like? That's Jesus. That's what Paul said. Underneath all anger is a goal and something blocking it. And so we get frustrated. So here are the questions we need to ask when we do this. And I'm getting ready to yield the floor to listening to sorrow or sadness. You see, because sometimes if you want to express grief, if you want to express anger or hurt, where are you supposed to go to do that? Do you know this is how people draw apart from one another because they'll find someone at work who's willing to listen to how hard things are. And you can see how that erodes a relationship. She'll listen to me, you won't. He'll listen to me, you won't. And that's not love. It's not fun to hear this kind of stuff, but we, because we love each other, we can do it. Say, we can do it. We can do it. What are your concerns? Now say, it's, it's a blow. What's happened to make you feel so angry? What do you need? What can I do to be helpful? This then takes just the emotion that's out there, pulls it down to something that you can share together. This is how to listen to anger. Praise the Lord. I'll leave you with this scripture before I turn it over to Brother David. This scripture says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. We're going to get angry because we're going to feel hurt. We have expectations. But the Lord is able to take us through this. Not having a fight does not mean you have a good marriage. It means maybe you're afraid of confrontation. And the Lord said, we don't need to be afraid of anything. Amen? Brother David. 
Next, we're going to start going over listening to sadness or crying. You can't see it up there. It's a great scene that Tom Hanks does. Are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. I feel like as a dad, I feel that way <laughs> towards a house filled with women. Are you crying? How do I deal with this? We're not supposed to cry. I'm a man, so some of the feelings or thoughts that I have may gear towards men, but I think that there are also plenty of women that fall into this category. I know my wife is not somebody that likes to cry or be seen crying either, so it is not exclusive. But I think as a man, it can be difficult on two fronts to really deal with sadness or crying because we don't like to hear it or see it and we don't like to do it. Women, I feel, tend to maybe be a little bit better at dealing with that as a whole than men are, but I've seen it on both sides where there are women who, why are you crying? Suck it up. Maybe looking at one that <laughs> may say that from time to time. And then there are men who are you know, much more compassionate than I maybe am or understanding and willing to go there. But as was already stated, men tend to be fixers of a situation. And when you're listening to someone who is sad or in crying state, you're usually trying to remedy that and get them to not be crying, not be sad. If I can change this sorrow into joy, then maybe it'll be all right. And sometimes that's because maybe being sad or crying is an unfamiliar emotion. But instead of trying to fix the situation, it's probably better, whether it is a situation at work, just a, a whole wealth of circumstances that may be going on at the time. I know there have been times where I have maybe felt like crying over a situation, and you're like, why am I upset about this situation? But then you start thinking about all the other things that you may have going on that may be strung together. You can maybe start to understand, okay, normally I wouldn't maybe react this way, but given all of these things, now that's true. And you know, we, we will tend to try to cheer somebody up, make them laugh, change their emotion. I know a lot of times when my wife may start to get angry or frustrated, I will try to make her laugh and she gets offended that I'm trying to mess up her mad. Because sometimes you feel like you just need to be mad. If I can just be mad for a set amount of time, I can get moved past this and we can move on. But when it comes to sadness, though, when you try to do some of those things, it can then morph into anger because, and they can either become angry at you for not taking them seriously or trying to belittle that emotion, or depending on the comments that you're making, if they're sad or crying over somebody else, that anger can then be turned towards that person. So you really want to be careful and not fall into the pitfall of trying to necessarily fix it in that moment, but to listen, understand, and really that is something in Psalms 34:18. it says, the Lord's nigh unto them 
that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And so when we have that broken heart, when we're emotionally in that state, the Lord's there, and it starts with him just being nearby, and him listening, and you know, he's, he knows all the circumstances that are going on, but he wants to give us a time to process that. And so just like he's near, it's your opportunity to just be near first. And then that's so that you can listen and you can start to understand. Then you can move into, you know, what may be in James 5.13, which says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. And so this is just a continuation and evolution of that concept. So you let listen, try to understand, then you let those that are afflicted or you may want to lead them into praying. And while they're praying over a specific situation, that's also your opportunity to continue listening to see, hey, are, is there something else that may be going on and, and I get a chance to get a deeper understanding so that when we exit that time of, of prayer, we, which we both should be active participants in, then we can reflect openly on either scripture that we may read or what the Lord may impress on us to address that situation and change the atmosphere. And you practice sympathy. If you don't, if you can't sympathize with someone, then practice empathy. And if you don't know how to empathize, get out. No, don't get out. Stay in there and keep practicing so that you can learn how to start to listen, understand, empathize, or sympathize. You're not going to be able to sympathize in every situation. I'll give you a care center analogy. There are a lot of lessons that you can learn in a care center. And I remember first job at the company I work at now, I was taking customer care phone calls, and as engaging and as melodious as my tone has been this evening, that is also how my phone calls were. And people would call in, they'd be very upset. Usually you don't call customer care for a credit card just to tell them, hey, what a great job, I really love your program. I don't need any help, I just wanted to let you know. Those typically aren't the calls that are received. So people are upset. I would listen to what they have had to say, do the four or five steps I needed to do to resolve their issue. They'd get what they wanted, and I would just, anything else I can help you with? Nope, thanks. And my supervisor said, you know, you're, you're doing fine on how long it's taking you to resolve. You, you seem to know how to address these things, but you're not really giving caring responses and these caring words of my pleasure, and I said, okay, like, that's not really up my alley of relating with somebody who I don't know who they are, they're random, calling in, they're going through situations that I may not have, you know, somebody who has a late fee or they can't make their minimum payment. That's very stressful, and it can be a time where you have an opportunity to change even their emotion at the time based on how you handle that. You know, ah, oh, I am so sorry that 
you know, you experience this. I know it can be stressful. Let's take a look and see what our options are. You know, we've got plenty of options. And you can start talking to them, encouraging them, all while you're doing the same stuff that I was doing before, but they were just hearing dead silence. And when they exit that call, they still got what they wanted, but there is a term that we use in the industry called delight. And so when they exit that call, and sometimes they'd get bad news of, hey, you know, I can only refund 50% of that late fee. But the way that we went through the process of empathizing and sympathizing and giving caring responses and listening and trying to understand the state that they were in leaves them exiting that, hey, I didn't get everything that I wanted, but I felt good about it and I have delight. And that's just, we can apply those same things. He gave me a challenge of, I have a hard time, because I said, I have a hard time coming up with what to say to these people. So he said, every day I want you to go home and just ask your wife how her day went. And started doing that, and at first it's awkward because you're still trying to figure out what's an appropriate response. But those are ways that you can start learning just by starting some simple questions and kind of training yourself to respond at least an empathetic way to somebody's emotional state of sadness or crying. Then we'll transition over dealing with fear. All of these are wonderful and easier to talk about than to put into practice. When you're in the middle of a fight, when you're in the middle of an argument, when you're in the middle of whatever, you're not careful, these words of empathy and sympathy, oh dear, you sound so upset right now, can be gasoline on the fire, especially when they're on a roll. So obviously what was stated before about even the ability to take a time out, back away, there's actually a physiological need for that. Your body produces these stress hormones or stress chemicals. And according to science, it says it takes 20 to 30 minutes for them to sort of come out of the system for a moment. So when your emotions are rolling, being able to take a 20 minute break or a timeout, let everybody cool down, then practice this, come back with this practicing and advanced listening. And we talked about listening to anger, listening to, and it's difficult because as was already mentioned, when, when somebody fights, I want to fight back or I want to run away, I want to hide, I want to build a wall. And they'll talk about stonewalling and that sense of protect yourself. And yet there is a whole nother level that you can talk about, and that is not fight, not flight, but also faith. And that's difficult at times, to come back to a faith response. And a faith response is really necessary in all, dealing with all of our emotions, but specifically with fear. Because the Bible is very clear in Timothy, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. And yet, we know there are things that we can be afraid of. And if you've not 
had any fear over coronavirus or you've not had any fear of any kind of thing, we would say you're foolish because there is a fear, whether it's of economic collapse or whether it's, you know, the economy changing or communism taking over or socialism. Our society feeds plenty of it to us all. And there are things to all of a sudden be afraid of. And yet, will I fight that and say, I'm going to resist it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm packing. I'm going to make sure I'm protected. I'm going to, I'm going to fight against that. I am going to go down and protest. And, and while I'm not telling you not to go protest, but the point of it is, do you fight it? Or do you run from it? Do you retreat? Do you say, I, I don't want to hear that? Or do I have a faith response? And when we talked about prayer and some of these things, it's that sense of bringing it back into perspective with the eternal, with the God that made the universe. Lord, you have created me. You've created everything. I am not going to let those things destroy me. You say, well, you know, in fact, when you read in John, the eighth chapter, and I know it's quoted in Matthew and Luke a little differently, but in John, the eighth chapter, the Lord, he said something along the lines of, he that believeth in me shall never see death. And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, he saith, he's mad because Abraham is already died. And you're telling me you're never going to die? You're saying you're never going to taste death? And yet the Lord actually was quoted by John as see death versus taste death. What does that mean? And we all know that we're either going in the first church or the second church, the live and remain church. And yet their spirit of fear can overwhelm us all. And I think that's the key at times. And maybe typically it's our wives that will have a greater sense of fear about things than maybe the men, or at least that we will act like we have a fear about it. Maybe we don't, like Brother David put the thing that guys don't cry in baseball, and we're not going to show that we're afraid, and yet we've all had fear. And so this becomes, what do we do with that? Can I pray? And if my spouse is talking to me about their fears, what do I say? Do I say, well, that's just stupid. That's stupid to be afraid of that. That's ignorant. How foolish. Don't be daft. Are you nuts? Why are you going to fear that? Well, unfortunately, that's not active listening. I mean, you have to be willing, and that's where we've talked tonight, about that sense of just being willing to listen, to try to come up with, you know, where's that fear coming from? How did it creep in? What can we do about it? I want to put together the situation. Maybe they're afraid of being financially destitute. Maybe, where did the fear come from? And unfortunately, most of the time, there's no immediate, short response or ability to conquer that fear. Most of our arguments, our frustrations, it's the same thing. There's nothing immediate that I can just immediately say, well, and yet, we are a time managed and we're trying to manage our time and I don't, I don't want people to get overwhelmed. We're fixing to stand and, 
and we're fixing to take a short break and 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 I understand time and we're online and I appreciate all of you listening and I hope you haven't they haven't turned it off they have they don't have time for even this we don't have time we don't have time and yet time is the first thing that God made holy he said remember the sabbath day to keep it holy Yet we're living in a world that's a microwave society. I order my supper on one side of the building and if it's not ready, by the time I get to the other side of the building, I'm frustrated, stressed, and I'm angry. I don't have time. And consequently, it's like just slowly turning up the boiling point on the pot. And the stress level, the anger level, the frustration level, and that is why coming into a conference, coming into a church service, taking a moment, raising your hands, beginning to worship God, taking a moment to listen to the word, taking a moment to just say, I, you know, I, I just need to take a time to be with the Lord for a moment and let some of the stress begin to come out of my system. I know it's hard because especially men we want to fix it quick we don't have a long time to spend with this I don't know as a matter of fact you know you stopped me as I was going out to work I can't be late hurry up I don't have time to tell you but you know what make sure you learn how to listen to the fear and then turn it back to faith you know what I agree it doesn't look good Here's what the doctor said. Here's what's going on. Here's what this is. But guess what? But God, but God, we still serve a God. I don't know how. You say, well, you know, if I got this, if I got, I don't, you're right, I agree, except we also serve a God that no matter where I am, he's still the one that controls my life. Why? Because my hope, my desire, my praise, my life is connected to him. I'm not like everybody else. If I get COVID tomorrow and someone that doesn't know God gets COVID, it's not the same. I serve a God that can heal immediately or he can say, let him go. I want to bring him home. Whatever the case, I know God is still part of my life. Let's stand. Thank you for being here. We got one more short section.